federal jury in Cleveland finds for defendants in a welding fume case. And $16.5 million is awarded in a fentanyl pain patch death lawsuit. These and other stories make up this edition of the LexisNexis Product Liability and Tort Law Center podcast. The LexisNexis Product Liability and Tort Center podcast. A summary of recent news stories from the pages of LexisNexis Mealy's publications. Current and targeted legal news and litigation reports. Did you know? Did you know? There are LexisNexis community pages for insurance law, products liability and toxic torts, real estate and bankruptcy. Did you know? There are LexisNexis community pages for workers' compensation law, environmental and climate change, tax law, emerging issues, and more. Did you know? Every LexisNexis community gives you the opportunity to read, listen to, and comment on a wealth of content specific to each practice area. Did you know? You can register for free and can access all of our community pages from one central location. Join the LexisNexis communities, www.lexisnexis.com communities. A federal court jury in Cleveland has found for the defendants in the fifth welding fume products liability litigation lawsuit to reach trial in the national consolidation. The Northern District of Ohio jury took less than a day to find in favor of defendants Lincoln Electric, Hobart Brothers, and the ESAB group in a trial that began November 3rd. Judge Kathleen McDonald O'Malley instructed the jury to consider whether the preponderance of evidence supports a finding that the defendants distributed a product with a marketing defect. If the jury answered yes with regard to any of the defendants, the jury was then to consider whether the marketing defect caused injury to Eddie Byers. Judge O'Malley said the law of the case is from Texas because Byers spent most of his welding career working in that state. Under Texas law to prevail with a marketing defect claim, Buyers had to show by a preponderance of evidence that the defendants distributed a product with such a defect that injured him. An Illinois state court jury has awarded more than $16.5 million to the family of a woman who allegedly died from an overdose from a defective duragesic fentanyl pain patch. In 2004, Janice DiCosolo used a prescribed patch to treat her pain. After she died, her family alleged the patch was defective in that it leaked the narcotic fentanyl into her skin, causing an overdose. DiCosolo's family sued the patch maker, Alza Corporation, and Janssen Pharmaceutica, which distributed the patch. The family alleges the patch was part of a lot of patches that was recalled in 2004 because they leaked fentanyl gel. The 12-member jury in the Cook County Circuit Court unanimously awarded the plaintiffs $18 million but reduced it by 8% because it found that Janice was 8% liable due to contributing conduct. A New Jersey state court jury has awarded close to $12.9 million to three plaintiffs who claim their inflammatory bowel disease was caused by Hoffman-LaRoche's acne drug Accutane. Kelly Mace, Lance Sager, and Jordan Spiesman each took Accutane and claimed it caused IBD, resulting in serious permanent injuries. They sued Hoffman LaRoche in a New Jersey Superior Court, and their cases were transferred to an Accutane mass tort docket in Atlantic County. The cases were the first to be tried as a group after two earlier single plaintiff trials. A source told Mealy Publication that the eight-member jury awarded Mace $128,000 for future medical expenses and $1.5 million for pain and suffering. It awarded $125,000 for future medical expenses and $2.5 million for pain and suffering to Sager and $142,000 for future medical expenses and $8.5 million for pain and suffering to Spiesman. 
The trial lasted six weeks, beginning with jury selection. The panel deliberated a reported four and a half hours before returning its verdict on November 19th. The verdicts followed two earlier plaintiff verdicts in IBD cases in the same court. In May 2007, a jury awarded one plaintiff $2.6 million. That verdict is on appeal. In April, another jury awarded a plaintiff $10.5 million. Post-trial motions are pending. All five cases have shared the same pretrial rulings and experts. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Emerging Drugs and Medical Devices Editor Tom Moylan. A federal judge in New Orleans has ruled in favor of the manufacture of a generic version of Paxil after the family of a man whose suicide was allegedly caused by his use of the antidepressant failed to present any evidence to establish a causal link. Judge Jay Zaney of the Eastern District of Louisiana noted the plaintiffs, led by Patricia Smith, did not designate any medical expert to testify in support of their claims and that without expert testimony, the plaintiffs could not establish whether it was the drug or Brian Smith's underlying history of depression that caused him to commit suicide at the age of 38. The judge noted the record shows Smith suffered a work-related injury in 1999 and consistently required a host of medications since then, including various medications for the treatment of anxiety and depression. He said without medical expert testimony, Smith's family could not establish the product at issue as opposed to depression and despair was more likely than not the cause of Smith's unfortunate death. The case was scheduled to go to trial in January 2009. A federal judge in California has refused to issue a preliminary injunction against enforcement of a San Francisco ordinance banning sales of tobacco products by drugstores after suggesting at a hearing that the defense argument of free speech violations was weak. In August, the city and county of San Francisco amended the city's health code to prohibit pharmacies from selling tobacco products. Exempted from the ordinance, however, are supermarkets and so-called big-box retail stores that also have pharmacies. Philip Morris USA filed suit in the Northern District of California seeking a judicial pronouncement that the ordinance is null and void and an injunction against its enforcement. According to Philip Morris, the ordinance imposes unconstitutional and unlawful restrictions on its ability to advertise and promote its legal products in San Francisco. In September, Judge Claudia Wilkin denied Philip Morris's ex parte application for a temporary restraining order but ordered the city to show cause why a preliminary injunction should not issue to prevent the enforcement of the ordinance. In response, the city denied Philip Morris' assertion that the ordinance is an attempt to deprive it of its ability to advertise, pointing out that nothing in the ordinance prevents the company from continuing to pay pharmacies such as Walgreens and Rite Aid to advertise its products, even though those stores may no longer sell the products themselves. Judge Wilkin denied the motion for preliminary injunction in a minute order issued after a November 6th hearing. According to sources, the judge found that the ban does not impede Philip Morris' right of free speech because it can still advertise at drugstores even though it cannot sell its product there. The judge noted that product sales are not protected by the First Amendment. Judge Wilkin called the company's free speech argument weak given that cigarettes are not a method of communication such as a book would be. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Mary's Tobacco Litigation Report Editor, Jerry Maddox. A divided Wisconsin appellate panel has affirmed a jury's verdict and held the evidence was sufficient to show that NL Industries, former maker of lead-based paint, did not intentionally cause the public nuisance that the jury determined had existed as a result of lead-based paint in buildings throughout the city of Milwaukee. The panel also said a partial new trial on other appeal issues raised by the city is not warranted. 
The court found credible evidence in the record to support the jury's conclusion that NL Industries did not know that the public nuisance found by the jury was the result of or was substantially certain to result from its conduct. The dangers associated with lead dust, which are largely responsible for the hazardous childhood lead exposure at issue, were unknown during the time NL sold lead pigment and paint, the majority added. A former worker at a roofing shingle manufacturing facility has filed silicosis claims against a pair of respiratory equipment manufacturers, blaming those companies for failing to protect him from developing the disease. David Midkiff worked for ISP Minerals in Annapolis, Maryland for more than 35 years until 2005, performing a variety of jobs that involved working in areas allegedly containing airborne silica dust. Midkiff and his wife filed a complaint in the Eastern District of Missouri against 3M Company and Mine Safety Appliances Corporation, contending the defendant's respiratory equipment failed to prevent him from developing silicosis. According to Midkiff, the respirators were in a defective and unreasonably dangerous condition when placed into the stream of commerce. Although Midkiff's exposure allegedly occurred in Maryland, he asserts the defendants are subject to personal jurisdiction of the Missouri Federal Court because they did and continue to do business in the state of Missouri and committed torts in whole or in part in that state against them. Midkiff seeks in excess of $75,000 compensatory damages and more than $20 million in punitive damages based on 3M's alleged misrepresentation and fraud. A Louisiana man has filed a class action lawsuit accusing the manufacturer of a plumbing system with polyethylene tubing of producing and selling a defective product. Charles Bro Jr. and his wife sued Zernpex Incorporated and Zern Industries in the Eastern District of Louisiana alleging the defendants damaged them and other similarly situated homeowners as a result of the design, development, advertisement, marketing, sale, and warranty misconduct in connection with a sale of Zernpex plumbing systems installed with Zern's brass crimp fittings. Plaintiffs claim the fittings are defectively designed and manufactured and have been failing as quickly as one year or less after installation. The plaintiffs claim the failure of the fittings cause water leaks and have caused extensive damage to property, including mold and other damage. They claim the damage and failure of the fittings were reasonably foreseeable at the time of sale and that the defendants are refusing to honor the 25-year warranty advertised as part of its marketing of the product. The 11th Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals has remanded a defective airbag action to a district court, finding plaintiff George Parrish's claims against Ford Motor Company were improperly dismissed due to a failure to pay costs and fees. Parrish sued Ford in the Southern District of Georgia following a single-vehicle accident involving a 2003 Ford Ranger. He claims his injuries were due to defective airbags. Ford moved for summary judgment, and Parrish responded by moving for voluntary dismissal without prejudice, and the automaker was then entitled to its attorney fees and costs from the action. Parrish renewed the defective airbag claim in a new case filed in May of this year. However, he had not yet paid Ford its attorney fees and costs from the first complaint. After Ford's motion to dismiss for failure to comply with a court order was granted based on Parrish's failure to pay Ford's fees and costs, Parrish appealed to the 11th Circuit. The appeals court ruled that it was an abuse of discretion for the district court to dismiss Parrish's second filing for failure to comply with the court order. The action was remanded for the district court to determine any fees and costs due to Ford under Parrish's first voluntary dismissal order, to rule on Parrish's motion to proceed in forma pauperis, and to resolve the costs and fees issue in a way that does not prejudice Ford or Parrish. 
A federal jury in the Western District of Texas has returned a defense verdict in favor of BMW of North America, finding a woman's injuries were caused by another motorist's negligence and not by defects in her car's airbag. Catherine Apple sued BMW for strict liability, design defect, marketing defect, and negligence seeking $36 million in damages resulting from an accident with a vehicle driven by Mary Stitt that the BMW's driver's side airbag deployed. However, Apple says she suffered a cervical injury which rendered her quadriplegic. The plaintiffs allege the late deployment of the airbag caused Apple's injuries, but the jury determined there was no design defect in BMW's airbag system when it left the possession of the manufacturer and that the condition of the airbag was not the cause of Apple's injury. It concluded instead that Apple's injuries were caused by Stitt's negligence. This has been the LexisNexis Product Liability and Toxic Torts Practice Center podcast. If you'd like more details on these and other stories, visit LexisNexis.com slash Mealy's, M-E-A-L-E-Y-S. Or visit the LexisNexis community page at www.LexisNexis.com slash communities and click on the Torts Law link. The LexisNexis Product Liability and Toxic Torts Practice Center podcast was written by the editors of Mealy Publications, current and targeted legal news and litigation reports. Copyright 2008 by LexisNexis, a division of Reed Elsevier Incorporated. LexisNexis, total practice solutions. This is Steve Bursler. Thank you for listening.